Proverbs 18 says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. But it doesn't say that he who finds a wife finds a good marriage. And so today we're going to talk about marriage, that all-important relationship, and uh, how we can have a healthy and holy marriage. And so the elephant in the room is kind of like, I, I still think, I've, I've been trying to think, I think I'm the youngest pastor on staff. Uh, and I was talking to Bob Hess, um, who leads our uh, seniors life group. I said, hey, how many years have you been married to Elizabeth? And he thought for a while and he said, 68 so almost seven decades, and Bob and his wife were sitting in the back of last service, and I was thinking, what in the world do I have to teach to them about marriage? Um, and so the truth is, is that I'm not an expert. You can ask my wife. She's in the service. Uh, but I do believe that God is an expert, right? God is an expert on marriage and relationships, and so we're going to look to the Bible today to see what it has to teach us. I don't have a whole lot of stories about myself or funny anecdotes because uh, I just want to try and get to the text, and I have one week this sermon to deal with marriage. So put your uh, you know, trade tables in the full upright positions because we're going to fly. So uh, let's pray, and we'll go for it. Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for the people of CBC. Thank you for the marriages of CBC. And Lord, I pray that as I preach this morning, that you would just multiply the things that I say like loaves and fishes so that we can try and, with the power of the Holy Spirit, work out all of the implications of this text for our marriage. There are daily things that we need to do uh, in order to have happy, healthy, and holy marriages, and we need your help to do them. So take what little I have to give this morning and supernaturally empower it to go into people's brains and hearts and help us all, Lord, to be obedient uh, to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Ephesians 5, so flip there and hold your finger there. And uh, before we get to that text, I want to give a little overarching background or like foundation for what the marriage relationship ought to look like. The, uh, you know, some people think that like marriage is just like a man-made thing. Marriage is a God-made thing, and it's a God-inspired thing. This, this culture of love and submission and unity that we see that, that is supposed to be in marriage is a trinity thing, right? It's God the Father, God the Son, God the whole Holy Spirit, all equal and yet one and perfectly loving and submitting to one another, right? The three persons of the Godhead. If you look at redemptive history, you have God the Father who chooses a people for himself and he interacts with them and he reveals himself to them and he gives them rules and guidelines for their interaction with him and he desires to be in relationship with them and they screw it up. Right Over and over, the people of Israel, we see through the whole Old Testament that they stiff-arm God, <coughs> excuse me, and they go other directions, and they want to do their own thing. And so there's a plan. There's a plan to rescue these people, and the plan is that Jesus Christ, the Son, would come and lay down his life for those people. And Jesus Christ gladly submits to the will of the Father, and he comes to this earth, he lives a perfect life. He sacrifices his life on our behalf because of his love for us. And then he rises three days later and conquers death, offering us 
forgiveness of sin, and relationship back with the Father. Now, Jesus ascends back into heaven, and what does God the Father do? He elevates him. He gives him the name that is above every name, that every knee would bow and every tongue confess. But Jesus also leaves the Holy Spirit gladly. He, he leaves all of his people, his church, these people that he has just won into the, 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 the hands, as it were, of the Holy Spirit. He says to his disciples, it's a good thing that I go away because the helper will come and you'll do greater things than even when I was here. And so he, he yields to the work of the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit in turn comes and draws people back to the Father through the Son and you have this just beautiful circle of love and leadership and submission within the Godhead that we are to model. That is the ultimate model for not only our marriages, but all of our relationships. When love and leadership and submission work as they are supposed to, we have happy, healthy, holy relationships. But we're going to hone in this morning on the specific relationship of marriage. And God gives us instructions for marriage in the book of Ephesians. So if you're there, we're going to start in verse 22 through 33. Here's what it says. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So those are the details for marriage. And... We're going to start backwards. That text starts with the wives. We're going to start with the husbands because uh, I believe that, um, that everything um, rises, can, can rise and fall on the husband's leadership. I was talking to Pastor Rick er- earlier, and he said, if the husband does his job right, it makes the wife's job a whole lot easier. So men, as head, as leader, we're going to start with you. And we're going to answer three questions, both for wives and for husbands. We're going, to an- we're going to ask what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to do it, and why we're to do it that way. So first, husbands, what? Love your wife. There are three commands in this section. Love your wife, love your wife, love your wife. Okay? It doesn't say, hey, be in charge of your wife. It doesn't say, rule over your wife. It doesn't say, make sure your wife does what she's supposed to do. It says, love your wife. Men, we have been 
sold a bill of goods by our culture that forces men to two opposite ends of the spectrum. One is this passive, uh, weak, unengaged man who just kind of lets things come to him and lets him roll. The other side is this arrogant, angry, abusive clown that just tries to rule over his wife and his kids and everything, and neither of those things are Christ-like. So we've got to recenter what it means to be a man and what it means to be a husband. And we start by loving our wives. Now, how do we do that? Paul gives us the answer. We love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So Christ loved the church sacrificially and completely. Right? Jesus, Philippians 2, tells us, left heaven, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he left heaven, submitted to the will of the Father, and laid down his life for me and you because of his great love for us. So husbands, we are to lay down our lives for our wives, day in, day out, moment by moment. That means to put her needs above your own all day, every day. Now, we're going to spell that out. I'm going to bring some clarity to it here in just a second. But this is the example that Jesus gives us, to love our wife sacrificially and to love her completely, right? We can tend to, well, I like the way my wife looks, but I don't like the way that she thinks. You might like the things that she does to care for your house and your children, but you don't really care for her emotions or her heart. And the love of a real godly husband is a holistic love that cares for her fears, that affirms all the things that God has made her to be, that sometimes, yes, corrects in gentleness. We rejoice in her victories. We comfort her when there's failure, not berate her. This, this is a, man, if, guys, if you would just look at the example of Jesus, just read the Bible and look at Jesus and write down all the ways that he loves us and then try to model that in your life, you will become a good and godly husband. Pray for her and with her. Give her time. Comfort her. Study her to know who she is. I fail at this all the time. It's kind of like, oh, hey, I won. Got an awesome wife. And then I can put her on cruise control, right? And that's it's not the way to do it. I need to continually be studying my wife to know her and what makes her tick and what brings her joy and what makes her angry. So don't do those things. What? Love your wife. How? Sacrificially and completely. But here's the important thing. That's why I flew through those first two points. Here's the important thing. The Why? To what end do we love our wives sacrificially and completely? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That 
he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Love your wife sacrificially and completely. Why? In order to make her holy and you holy and your marriage holy. We have, you know, when we're kicking it around with the boys, hey, if mom ain't happy, nobody ain't happy, right? Or, or happy wife, happy life, right? That's one of them too. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. Holy wife, happy life. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between loving your wife in order to make her happy and loving your wife in in order to make her holy? Here's what it means. The sacrificial love of a husband may do things, may lead in a way that cause your wife to be happy and then in turn sometimes to make you unhappy, right? We can have a tendency, men, to just try and smooth everything over. Just make it good so that the wife is happy, so that I am happy. Because it is true, right? If she's not happy, things aren't going well with us. But true, sacrificial, manly, godly love is always aimed at her holiness. So that means that sometimes you will make decisions or lead her in a way after seeking the Lord that she will not be excited about. It might mean that you are spending time with the Lord and you heard a sermon or you listened to a thing and you go, wife, our life is too extravagant. And we have way more than we need and we're not giving enough away. And so I want to talk with you about selling our house and downsizing it And getting a used car instead of the car that we have so that we can give more money away to missions and to people in need. Now, you might have a wife that's thrilled by that. You might have a wife that goes, whoa, that's really uncomfortable. Or that move may mean moving to another school district. Now you're getting into wife territory, right? Whoa. And she might not be happy about it. And as you talk, right, you don't just say, hey, we're doing it. You talk about it, you interact, you listen to all the different points of view that she has to say, and you seek the Lord together in prayer, and she still might not be excited about it, but you know that it's the right thing to do. And so you say, wife, I love you, but this is where the Lord is leading our family, and you do it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to make her go skipping around with joy. But it's going to make your family holy. It's going to make your wife holy. It's going to make you holy to make decisions that are like that. The other side of it is, well, she didn't want to move. I want to make her happy, so I'm out. It's the wrong way. It's the wrong way, man. We have to lead with gentleness and with care, but also with strength. I love the way that John Piper puts it. He said we ought to be lion-hearted and lamb-like. I love that. Loving our wives in order to make her holy means that sometimes 
we have to lead in a way that might not make her happy. There are some times, though, lots of times, when, you, when those two things coincide, right? It is, it is quite all right that you take some time off work and get home early and clean the house for your wife. It's quite okay that even though you're tired, you're going to do the dishes. And it's not just that I can tend to like, oh, did it, checked it off the list, bye, right? Like, I, I, I did the thing. I did the thing for the wife, but it's a constant, it's a constant attitude and heart of sacrifice towards your wife. Sometimes it makes her happy, but the end goal is to make her holy. Woo, that clock is going really fast. So we will move on. Wives, verse 22. <clears throat> Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to husbands in everything, or should submit in everything to their husbands. So wives, your what? What is the command here? Submit to your husbands. Now, some of you may bristle at that because submission has got a bad name. Submission has got a bad name in our culture because we live in a culture that values individuality and that values freedom. And so we're getting sold this bill of goods again as Christians that women, if you submit to your husband, you're weak or you're unintelligent or you're inferior and all of those things are lies. If you look around, CVC is full of holy marriages that have very strong, intelligent, capable, awesome women who have chosen to obey Christ and submit to their husband gladly, and who the husband is leading sacrificially. And so I want to bring clarity real quick, just six things, write them down, you can think about them in detail later, that submission is not. Submission does not mean that you agree on everything. Submission does not mean that wives or females are inferior Submission does not mean that you aren't talented in myriad areas. Submission does not mean ceasing to influence your husband. Submission is not getting all of your spiritual strength from your husband. And finally, submission is not fearful. This is not a, a value judgment from God. When he says, wives, submit to your husband, it doesn't mean like you're to go under him because... He's better than you. Wrong. This is, this is an order thing. That God sets up this order at the beginning with Adam and Eve, and he says, this is the way that it works best. And so our response is to believe that that's the way that it works best. If you look at that woman in Proverbs 31, the excellent wife, Man, she's hardworking and she's trustworthy. She's really good with the finances and she's a shrewd businesswoman and she's strong physically and emotionally and she's dignified. She has all sorts of things that the world says can only come if you don't submit. And that's wrong. You can be all of those things as you submit to your husband. So we have to put out of our mind husbands and wives, some picture of just some lowly, quiet, obedient woman who just, well, husband, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. That is not submission. 
That is culture's counter to what they think submission is. Here's what submission is. Submission refers to a wife's divine calling to respect and affirm her husband and his divine calling to lead. It includes a disposition to gladly yield to her husband's guidance. And this is how Paul says we are to submit as unto the Lord, right? So how in the same way that you and I would submit to the Lord, we submit respectfully and we submit gladly yielding. So we, so we honor that position by respecting our husband in word and deed, and we're looking forward to gladly leaning in, gl- looking forward to yielding to his leadership. Is that not how our submission to Christ looks? Right? We, we trust him, and he is leading well. And sometimes it doesn't always feel good, but we're leaning in, looking forward to following where God would take us. And so do you see, husbands, how important your role is to lead in a godly, submissive, complete way? You want to provide leadership and initiative that your wife can thrive under, that she can look forward to leaning into you. Because I trust this man. I know that this man has my good and my holiness in mind. You see how that works together when we're all fulfilling our roles like the trinity it works as it's supposed to respectfully gladly yielding just like we do with christ and so what does that look like it might look like hey you make a mistake husband makes a mistake i made a mistake this week just one just kidding i made a mistake with the laundry Okay, we're not going to go into the details. I made a mistake with the laundry. And like, I even caught the mistake later before Linda caught it. And I was like, oh, I need to fix that. Forgot again. And then later last night, I hear Joseph Valenti. And I was like, she found the laundry before I did. Darn it. Right? But she didn't freak out on me. She didn't call me names. She didn't stomp away. Right? I failed. I messed up. But she, but she respected me in that moment. That's a pretty simple thing. But she did. Those simple choices to respect your husband every day will make a world of difference. And it will cause him to want to lead and love you the way that he ought to. So what? Submit to your husbands. How? Respectfully and gladly yielding. But why? That's the important thing. Why? Notice at the end of this section of scripture, Paul points back to Genesis 2. There's a quote in there. If you look at the footnote, it's Genesis 2. And it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. See, in this larger piece of scripture, Ephesians 4 through 6, the overarching goal is unity within the body of Christ. And so as, you, as we again look back to the Trinity, the submission of one to another, right? Son to father and father to son, spirit to both, right? As you look at that culture of submission, what it does is it keeps the, the perfect unity of the Trinity together. And so wives, why do you submit to your husbands? To keep you holy together. W-H-O-L-L-Y. 
holy together. The end goal is unity. So as, as you respect your husband day in and day out in every moment, and as you gladly submit to your husband, you are, are fostering and developing and rebuilding the unity that Adam and Eve crushed at the fall. Right? Because the quote from Paul is Genesis 2, and they shall become one flesh. That's what happens in the first marriage. And then they fail. Adam is passive. He doesn't speak up when his wife goes to the tree. Eve eats. God calls Adam to account. Right? And then the curse in Genesis 3, that what will happen is that the man, because of sin, will now become domineering. And the woman will try to usurp her husband's role of leadership. And is this not what we see in our culture? And unfortunately, our culture has started to glorify that picture of marriage. Men being domineering, or when it gets really bad, they want to squish men back down into sissies. That's how, that's how we ought to act. Oh, just whatever. And the whole feminism movement glorifying what has happened in the fall. The curse, the curse in Genesis 3 is you will try to rule over your husband. And the world tells us, yeah! It's a curse. That's backwards. And so, wives, as you respect and you honor and you submit to your husband, you are not weak. What you are doing is every, in every moment, you are pushing back what is evil in this world. You're guarding your marriage and guarding your family from what happened at the fall. Because what happened at the fall is they separated. Disunity. Once we get back in order, once husbands begin to lead with strength and courage and gentleness, and once wives choose to submit with strength and respect, things get back into order. And what was broken at the fall gets pushed back together. So wives, as you do this, what you are doing is you are fighting in spiritual realms. You are saying to Satan and the world, you will not have my family. You will not have my husband you will not have my marriage. You will not convince me that the curse is the way that I ought to act. I will come under this man's leadership with all of my strengths and my gifts and my talents and my mental capacities. And I, I, I will do it this way. And when you do that, you, you push your marriage back into wholeness as it was meant to be. So what, wives, submit to your husbands, how respectfully and gladly yielding, and why, in order to be holy together. And husbands, I want to encourage you, man, if you would lead in a way that the Bible commands, you will have a wife who will be glad to lean into you. 
That's what happens when we're obedient. In closing, I want to point you to some resources that we're going to put up on the web. One of the things that's hard about a 30-minute sermon is like <laughs> there are thousands of things to say about marriage. We could, we could do a couple weeks on each of these pieces, <coughs> but we don't have that. And so I've compiled a list of just a bunch of resources, websites and sermons and books and blogs and journal articles. And I want to ask you to do it. Like, if you've been married for 50 years, do it anyway. Keep working on your marriage. I want to specifically guide you to John Piper's sermon series on marriage that there'll be a link on there. It was transformational for me at the beginning of my marriage. Phenomenally biblical. As we close, here are my two final challenges to wives and to husbands, or those of you who will be wives and husbands. There's no greater example of, sub, of submission in the whole world than Jesus. There's no greater example of submission in the world than Jesus. Therefore, submission cannot be bad. Submission cannot be negative. Because Christ is the perfect example. And he yields to the Father. He submits to the will of the Father to come and save you and I. And he knows that it's not all going to be rainbows and daffodils. But he comes. He leaves the comfort of heaven and puts on human flesh and enters this sin-filled world. Not to make you and I happy, but to make you and I holy. And as he gladly yields to the Father on the cross... What happens is Jesus ransoms people. He buys back people to the Father from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And what does he do? He unifies them. His submission brings unity to the church. So, women of CVC, Strong and godly women of CBC, do not let Satan have your marriage. Every day, as you seek the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, be reminded that He has given you gifts and talents and skills, and you are to use those things in glad submission to your husband, to bring unity to your family and to move forward the mission of God in the world. And as you submit to your husband, you call him, encourage him to be the man that God has called him to be. And as you, as you do that, as you gladly submit and yield to the leadership of your husband, day by day, you are lashing cords of unity around your marriage. You are pulling back together what Satan broke. Be reminded of that. Every day, you won't have my husband, devil. You won't have me, devil. You won't have this marriage as you bind your marriage together in unity, in submission.
And when you do that, it'll start to look a whole lot like Christ and his church. And husbands, my final challenge is for you. We've got to grow up and be the men that the Bible calls us to be. Calls us to be warriors, men of strength and courage and compassion and tenderness. All wrapped into one because that's what Jesus was like. There's no greater love in the whole world than the sacrificial love of Jesus as he lays down his life for the people that he loves. He is not arrogant or rude or demanding. Nor is he selfish or lazy or foolish. Jesus takes the lead. Men, take the lead sacrificially. Jesus leads, but with patience and with love and with tenderness and with sacrifice. He lays down his life for the sake of those he loves. You want to be a real man of God? You want your wife to thrive and blossom and bloom under your leadership? You want to make your marriage look like it's supposed to look like Christ in the church? Make the daily, moment by moment... All the time. It's not just a one or two off thing every day to lay down your wife, to lay down your life for your wife for the sake of her holiness and for the holiness of your marriage. And when we do that, when we do that, body of CBC, the people around here in Brexville and Broadview Heights, and Independence, and Parma, and Cleveland, and, and, and North Olmsted, and in Macedonia, and Sagamore Hills, will start to look at our marriages. And they'll start to see that something is different, and they'll wonder about it. And we'll have an opportunity to say, this is what Jesus is like. This is what Jesus is like. God's instructions for our marriages are to make us holy together and holy together. Tried to make that as memorable as I can. God's instructions for our marriages are to make us holy together and to make us holy together. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for the marriages at CBC the to-be marriages, all those who are in the marriage class, the premarital class. Lord, that you would help us to have a vision of what it means to be married, of what it means in a biblical sense to be a man, what the Bible tells us it means to be a true woman, and that we would embrace your commands with all of our hearts. That when the world tells us it's otherwise, that we would stand firm and say, no, I will not be a passive man. I will not be a disengaged man. I will not be an arrogant man or a violent man. I will, with the power of the Holy Spirit, be a gentle and courageous man who loves my wife like Christ has loved the church.
and that women would say, I will not try to usurp my husband's role. I will not belittle him. I will not succumb to this version of femininity that is weak and unnecessary, but I will use all of my capacities that God has given me to love and submit to my husband, to respect his role, and to bind cords of unity between he and I. Lord, would you make it so, so that our marriages look like Jesus in the church and give us an opportunity to share what that looks like with others. In your name we pray, amen.